This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. You don't like the Drake. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. Do you like the Drake? I love the Drake. What about the Drake? Oh, screw the Drake. I love the Drake. This podcast will take a chronological look at the third boy to wear the mantle of Robin, Tim Drake, through the 90s and 2000s Robin series, Red Robin, Young Justice, and Teen Titans. And from time to time, taking a look at the modern era of Tim Drake in the pages of DC Comics, while also talking about other Robin and Batman happenings in the world. So sit back and relax and find out why everyone loves the Drake. Good for them. Love the Drake. Got to love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. I'm your host, Rob Myers. This show is brought to you, of course, by the BatmanUniverse.net. We're also associated with Batman on Films Podcast Network at BatmanPodcastNetwork.com. You get a hold of us through all the social media outlets on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We also have a YouTube page. Just search Everyone Loves the Drake. And if you're on Twitter quite a bit, like most of us are, we're on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. Like I said, I am Rob, and this is kind of a, a somber podcast. With me uh, today is Terrence. How are you doing on this uh, awkward, <laughs> awkward podcast today? Yeah, it's it's kind of weird to do an intro for when you're doing a tribute because uh, you always like want to kind of be upbeat and positive and in, <laughs> in, in the beginning, and then it, it's kind. Of, but I guess it's more a celebration of someone's yeah. work than dwelling on the um, you know passing of someone so young too. So I'm I'm kind of happy to go through some of these really cool issues. Some of them I've I've kind of forgotten about a little bit or haven't looked at in a long time. And and when you're like kind of looking in retrospect, knowing that you know somebody just passed away you kind of spend a little more time on each panel and each thing and really can see just how you know amazing an artist and how 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 brilliant and genius he was yeah so by the title of the show that you just downloaded i was trying to decide what i was going to call this episode i think it's just going to be called norm brayfogel who just passed away on the 24th of september which was you know just a, a few days ago died at the early age of 58 which is just really kind of mind-blowing when you start getting older and you know, I think I'm gonna be turning 45 next year You're like that's 58 not not that far away in the future he had suffered a stroke in 2014 in December which caused paralysis on the left side and I didn't realize he was left-handed 
So that kind of explained why he wasn't doing much at the time of his stroke from some videos that his family was posting that I'd saw after his passing. It looked like he was starting to stand on his own. He was able to move his right and left arms and things like that. I think all the details of his actual passing have been kind of kept private and rightfully so. That was just really interesting. Interesting is the wrong word. Going through Facebook every morning and kind of seeing that people were posting like, oh, no, Brayfogle passed away. I was like, no, that... That can't be. He's not, you know, he's not that old. So um, I kind of forgotten about the stroke until I started reading a little bit more. And I'm like, oh, that's right. He did suffer a stroke. So is that how you found out about it, too? Is just no, normal social media? Kind of. So he passed right in the middle of this week, right when Heroes in Crisis number one was coming out. Yeah. And so I knew that was filled with like death and carnage. And we've been talking for for weeks and weeks, maybe months about, <laughs> was Tim Drake going to be one of the ones? Because they, they, DC teased in that ad, Who Will Die? And it had, you know, Tim Drake in it. I, I knew like, I just knew that there was going to be a lot of like carnage in that, that issue. <laughs> right. So Rich, uh, our good friend of the show, Rich, sent a message through Facebook to you and I, and I could see it was something about death or something, and, and I think you responded back, and I was busy, I was tutoring, so I would I couldn't like just go on Facebook, so I was like, oh, <laughs> right. I'll get to that, and I thought it was about heroes in crisis i thought he was going to tell me and i and i actually was thinking like oh great they killed tim drake again you know <laughs> right, or something yeah. and so then when i finally got done and i kind of looked out on social media i was like oh actually i think ryan who guys started texting about it and you said something yeah. like oh terrence already knows because of rich and i'm like wait i don't yeah. know because i was i was uh and, and that's when i looked and saw and i yeah i felt bad i knew about his stroke because he was actually a really cool guy on like facebook he did a lot on facebook and in fact jason chapman uh, had commented on one of our posts that Norm had interacted with him. And I had interacted with Norm a couple times on Facebook, too. He was really active in um, writing back to his, his fans. And fans would post, you know, pieces of his art. And he would comment on it and, and thank them whenever, like, people would, would give a compliment or they'd post, like, some really cool cover or a commission piece he did. And he'd be like, oh, yeah, thanks. He was really humble and, and nice in that way. And I had talked to you. I was like, man, I'd, I'd love to get him on the show. But with mm -hmm. his stroke, I didn't know what exactly his condition was and, and how well he could speak. Now, obviously, he could type or, or do some kind of, you know, have someone type for him. But it was kind of surprising how young he was. It's, it, it's funny because guys like our age, we're in our 40s. These comic book creators were about 10 or 15 years older than us. But when we were like 16 and they were like 26 or, or 30, like they just seemed so yeah. much older. They were like guys <laughs> like Todd McFarlane and, and Rob Liefeld and all these like guys who were superstars. Like they were adults, like they were so far. And now that we're like 40s and their 50s, it's like, you know, I'm not that far from them. Like I still, you know, like we're still kind of now like in the same generation of this stuff. So it is kind of weird. And uh, it's just kind of sad that it's like another person from that nightfall kind of creative group is is not with us anymore so looking at um a lot of his art this week i've been like kind of going through a lot of his comic books and a lot mm -hmm. of his stuff is um colored by uh andrina roy or andrina roy i can never say her first name right but, but <laughs> she's passed away too so it's kind of like wow you know i kind of don't even know what to say so you take it rob <laughs> <laughs> Well, great. The, this is the podcast where Terrence and Ryan don't know what to say. And the two of us and three of us with Ryan, we can blather on for three hours about 
nothing, but there's like, there's so many things you want to say. I had put out, maybe the listeners can help us here. I had put out on uh, Facebook and Twitter just uh, some things that I'd say we're planning on recording a podcast. And I'm just going to read through a couple of these that some of our listeners' books that they liked. Triggs Toys and Comic Vault had said, Batman Holy Terror is one of uh, his favorite books. And I am sad to say I have never read Holy Terror, but I have since downloaded it and i'm really looking forward to checking this out because this front cover looks absolutely amazing i correct me if i'm wrong is um holy terror isn't isn't that painted didn't he paint that as opposed to pencil it i think so and i'm trying to do a a a quick search of it right now i think that is painted if i remember correctly it's it's on like the glossy paper and it's it's really really cool and there's some cool designs because i think Gosh, it's been so a long time since I read that, but I think the premise is that, like in the Revolutionary War, the colonies lost, so America is still technically part of like the British Empire, and mm-hmm. so there was like a redesign of the American flag and and stuff. It's on it's on one of the covers. Uh, so there was not only was it like really great that it was painted, it's really just like a cool alternate history redesign stuff that he did. So yeah, that is that is definitely a, a great one. And I was going to say this too, because you had put on Facebook, what was your favorite Norm Brayfogle like memory or moment or artwork? Mm-hmm. Man, that, that was hard to pick. I'm like, oh, well, let me pick. <laughs> and I'm doing this Google search and like he's got so many just like classic covers and iconic moments and he just drew the Batman so well. I don't mean to cut you off. Um, no, no. Uh, and, and we'll go back to some of the, the, the comments as well. But I wanted to ask you, what where was your first time where you think you like noticed or were aware of his art and started to become a fan of his art? Man, I, I knew you were going to ask that question, and I was trying to come up with that answer. It's got to be – it has to be the Obey a Man story, I really think. I think I'd had some Norm Brayfogel issues before then, obviously – but I was so like encapsulated because my, my comic reading was kind of hit or miss. I couldn't always make it into town and pick up books. So after a lonely place of dying had wrapped, I was really, you know, anxious to continue like the further adventures of Tim Drake. I think there were a month or two where, especially when you're younger, of not knowing really when comics are coming out. So I was kind of getting them haphazardly, but I think it was in the obey a man story where I was like, Whoa, this is some really cool art. And uh, Batman's cape was just so stinking long where it's like abnormally long, but it looks so cool when he was on a rooftop. I think that's when I first became aware of like, I knew who Jim Aparo was and I loved what Jim Aparo had done, but seeing uh, one of those first covers in the obey man story with like the Batman skull, I think that was the first book where I, I, I could tell just from flipping through this was a this is that Brayfogle guy where the skull is inside the Batman cowl which I thought was just uh, completely awesome but I'm kind of uh, flipping through that actual uh, story here right now. Oh no, I, I take it back. It was in Batman Detective Comics 916. That was the first Norm Brayfogle issue that I remember getting and knowing that oh this is that guy, Norm Brayfogle and I just thought that was really cool and the first uh, opening uh, panel of that book with the Obey Man looks like he's levitating off the table, and the Drakes are you know bound by there. I thought that was just really creepy. And Batman doesn't appear for quite a while uh, for the first few pages in that book because it's just dealing with Drake's parents. So that was kind of where I became self-aware of who he was. How about you? 
Yeah, it took a little while for me because, as I've said many, many, many times, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I first started reading comics with uh, A Death in the Family. And so at the same time A Death in the Family was coming out, Batman, I'm sorry, Detective Comics 600 was hitting the stands. So as I was, I'm not sure exactly what, where it relates exactly with the Batman issues, like which which month or so, but as I was starting to buy the first few Batman after A Lonely Place of Dying, which was like Batman 430 and 431, mm-hmm. there was a lot of advertisement for Detective Comics 600. And I never heard of Detective Comics. I'm like, what? what is this? It's Batman comics. <laughs> and, and why is Batman in it? And I, I was really confused. I mean, I was just a kid and I was confused. So I ended up buying Detective Comics 600. Actually, even though he was the regular penciler at the time, uh, Norm Brayfogle did not pencil 600. Dennis Cowan did. So I think the first... Norm Brayfogle comic I, I got, I believe, is 601, but it's like I said, it's hard to say. And it's an amazing cover. I was, I was going to say this earlier. Like this, I like to listen to podcasts when I'm doing work, like if I'm cutting the grass or I'm cleaning the house and have it on yep. in the background and just have it going. This might be one, though, that you probably might want to sit near a computer or, or your comic collection and pull things out because <laughs> yeah. we're not going to be able to describe Norm Brayfogle's artwork as as well as it looking at you know a picture it's worth a thousand words i think 2000 of our words won't do his work justice no. so maybe one we'll try our best to describe it and and reference but there's so many images that pop in your head and you forget like well i know that's norm but i don't know which comic and he right. he penciled detective and batman and shadow of the bat and a lot of specials and stuff so it kind of is hard to remember but detective comics 601 it's got a great detective, the old detective logo with like bat wings for the V. And I'm looking at it right now, this giant $50 book called Legends of the Dark Knight, Norm Brayfogle, Volume I, 1. I wish I could have got that. That has Etrigan, uh, yes. the demon down in the bottom part of the... Which is, I believe, the cover to 603, yeah, Detective so. 603. I got it at Ollie's for, I don't know what, but it was like less than $10 at Ollie's. That's yeah. $6.99 maybe Pro- or something? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I don't know if they ever came out with a volume two. I know this came out right after he had his stroke, and it was kind of done as a way to try to help raise some money for him and for mm-hmm. his medical expenses. So the cover of 601 has got Batman and uh, some guy who he's drag racing in a Ferrari Testarossa. There's like these huge rays of beam lights coming off the headlights, which is one of the hallmarks I noticed of Norm's work that he does a lot of line work. Like there mm-hmm. are a lot of lines emphasizing action or a moment or or these things. There's like a cat that's about to get run over by the, them. There's a... a <laughs> right. A poster for uh, Visit Tibet, which I don't think I even knew what Tibet was when I read this this comic. You know, the Batmobile looks amazing. I love the Norm Brayfogle Batmobile. Same don't, here. don't you have it as a figure or something like that? Or yeah, I've got like a little uh, Eagle Moss uh, company out of the UK was doing instead of you know doing like action figures, or little statues. They were doing like a Batmobile collection, all the Batmobiles that have ever been in movies or comic books. And I specifically uh, have, a, have a friend over in the UK that's like, if they come out with the Norm Brayfogle Batmobile, I'll pay whatever it takes to get it across, you know, to the United States. And I ironically had found it in a U.S. store. So I had to email and like, I found it, I found it, I found it. So, yeah, I've got that Batmobile. It's, it's great. I'll, I'll post a picture up of it on the uh, Facebook page. So... The art is amazing in this book, but I just it, it just uh, didn't click for me. Here I am, fourteen, just getting into comics, 
And it was very confusing, the story. There's no, like, main, like, villain, like, you know, one of the big rogues gallery villains, which later on we came to find out that that was a hallmark of Alan Grant's run because he didn't, wasn't very familiar with the the rogues gallery, so he just invented his stuff. Uh, Batman only throws one punch in the whole issue, and that's to some, like, punk in the streets. You know, it's mostly him, like, walking around and... Tibet and stuff but then you know 602 is even weirder where there's the cover is like Batman is his arms and legs are being like pulled apart by some like giant Hindu god with a battle axe and six (laughs) arms uh, and he just looks in a lot of pain and then the third issue in that is uh, the Entrigan the demon issue which may be why I don't like the demon very much because it was one of the first comics I read and it, I was confused and I didn't know what was going on. And I'm like, I thought I was buying a Batman book. Who is this yellow guy? And, and stuff. So my, my initial Norm Brayfogle introduction wasn't like that amazing just because of the story, I think. Even at the end of 603, like the demon kisses Batman, which is kind of weird on the right. cheek, but it's still like a, a, as a young kid getting into it. But then the next storyline was a four part storyline called The Mud Pack. Oh, I love that. And one. yeah, and this is also in the book, and it looks amazing in that. And then that's when I started to really like his artwork as, as the Mud Pack went through, because I had no idea. I'd never heard of Clayface. He wasn't on the 66 show. Right. You know, the cartoon wasn't out yet. So, and I was on this four Clayfaces, and and the way he drew the clay and how it could like be molding and, and morphing was just amazing. And his use of uh, panels is really amazing, too. He does lots of odd-shaped panels, lots of zigzag panels, irregular-shaped panels, which was really different than other books at the time. I don't know if I knew his name. I don't know if I like could, could have said, like, oh, yeah, this is Norm Brayfogle. As I've said before, the first artist who I ever recognized, like, oh, I recognize this artist. Like, I can tell that whose name this is was Tom Grummet. But I yeah. did – the moment I did, I think, realize it all and it all clicked and I became a huge fan was when I saw the Batman – the animated series for the very first time and Batman's eyes were white and they narrowed and got smaller. And I was like, oh my god, they do that in the comic. There's this one guy who always does it because that was the thing about his art is he would change the shape and the size of Batman's white eyes constantly to do expression. And I remember as a kid looking at it going, how do, how do his eyes move? Does he have like a, a thing in his mask that makes it move? Does it have, and I, eventually I just realized that um, it's just an artistic thing. Like this is just how the artist is expressing emotion and, and stuff and, and just go with it. It's not real. When I saw that in the animated series, immediately it just like clicked like that's Norm Brayfogle. That's his eyes. And I don't know, did, <laughs> was, were any of the other artists doing that with the eyes before Norm Brayfogle? Do you know? I think some would from time to time. I know that Jim Aparo would for more of expressive and shock. You have a Joker happen to jump out wielding an axe. The eyes might get really big, but I think the slits normally stayed the same. And maybe just like the where I know it kind of sounds funny, like the eyebrows on the mask that should never possibly move. But I think it was more an eyebrow gesture rather than seeing a really narrow slitted white eye. That's where I I'm same way from you. I always took that. That was more of a Norm Brayfogle thing that other people kind of picked up on. I don't think he was the first, but I think he really over-exaggerated that to a, a really good thing to be able to do, to, to which nowadays everybody's really doing. Yeah, and, and Jim Aparo is another one who passed away. He, he passed away in 2005. He's another Nightfall creator. But I'm looking, as you said, that I pulled up his artwork, just doing a quick search. And yeah, he did change the whites of the eyes, and especially like the brows above the eyes, 
uh, subtly, though, not like yeah. Ombre Fogel, where it would be you <laughs> right. know, huge and then small. So he was a little subtle, but it's, it, um, gosh, man, he's another one. We should do a tribute show for him, too, because his artwork is, just looking at this, it's amazing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right, there's just so many great creators. You know what I also wanted to say about Norm Fogel's art that I loved so much was the facial expressions on Batman, because everybody who's an artist, who's halfway decent, can do the GD Batman. Like, right. gritting his teeth, got a little bit of stubble, the, I'm, I'm going to beat the crap out of every villainous scum in all of Gotham City. Arr. But to actually make him have other emotions, like shock or sadness or grief, and actually, like, actually pull it off where you're like, oh my gosh, Batman's so sad here. And it's it is not out of character where you're like, what is this? That Batman doesn't do it. Batman doesn't cry. You know, like he actually, right. he could do that so good. And in that mud pack issue, I think that's where the first time I saw that there's a cover of issue. Let me pull it up here. This is good here where they messed with Batman's mind. And so he sees the dead Jason Todd and oh, yeah. Batman's reacting to it. Let's see. I got it. All oh, right, here. Detective Comics 606. And so it's a little different than what's in the story because in the story, Batman hallucinates and sees Robin a- in front of a casino. But in the cover, Batman is at the um, grave of Jason Todd. It's like R.I.P. Robin on the on the <laughs> grave. Yeah. <laughs> like that's in a cemetery somewhere. Like, <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Why is, why is this grave site on, on <laughs> at Stately Wayne Manor that says R.I.P. Robin and right. R.I.P. Ace? It's got that Mud Pack logo, which is awesome. And, and Jason Todd is like pointing at Batman. And Batman's just like on his knees, hands down. There's tears coming out of his mask. So Batman's so like, so brutal, like even his mask will cry if he feels pain, you know? And, <laughs> but the, the panel before that, in the, the last panel of uh, 605, which if you're reading it in like trade paperback here, like I am, it's one after the other. His, his face of shock of no when um, he sees Jason Todd. And you didn't know it was Jason Todd. So you're like, why is Batman so shocked at? And once again, Norm Brayfogle does this great thing where he he breaks the panel with like lines. I don't even know how to describe it. You just have to see the last panel of pay, of six oh five. But he does it a lot. So like it's not a regular square. It's like got all these like arrows pointing into it that of white space point. Yeah. And it's kind of pointing at. It's taking your eye to what you want to see, which is Batman's face and his expression. So I just absolutely loved how Norm Brayfogle could draw Batman's face. Uh, did you notice that too? Oh, yeah. I, th- I thought that was really cool. Like you were talking about him being sad, that he drew the coolest, saddest looking Batman, where you were like, oh, you made Batman sad. Somebody is going to get punched in the mouth for making Batman sad. And it, it wasn't done sad where you were like, oh, man, that's really corny, cheesy. It, it was done with a, a lot of reference and. It was just cool that you you actually believed and felt what the, all of his characters, not just Batman, but somebody like Commissioner Gordon, if you drew him sad. Now, my first Norm Brayfogle comic that I got was actually his first Batman comic, but I didn't I didn't read it till much later. I think I got it in you know, going to a grocery store or something like that, where there'd be you know five comics in a bag, five for five type deal, or maybe it was a ten pack back in the 80s where you could spend 10 bucks and get 10 comics or something like that at the grocery counter. But it was a Batman annual number 11, and ironically, it was a Clayface story. And uh, Bray Fogle draws the uh, front cover on it, 
And uh, it was a really cool Penguin story. And this was when uh, Jason Todd was uh, still Robin, where the Penguin is getting out on parole and Batman the whole entire time is thinking Penguin's up to no good. He's got this umbrella factory and Batman goes out of his way to prove that the Penguin is not only up and up and come to find out he actually was on the up and up, but because of some screwy things with his former henchmen, the Penguin ends up getting thrown back into jail again. So there's really two cool panels that start the story and end the story where Batman is storming in to the parole board and saying, wanting to basically tell the parole board, do not let this guy out. He is like a menace to society. It's the penguin. And then it ends the exact same panel, but it's flipped with Batman going back into the parole board saying, no, the penguin is actually not as bad as we thought it was. And the panels look exactly the same, but Robin's face in those panels look really cool. Like, Robin is going, I don't know why Batman, he's like totally uninterested. Like, yep, Batman is going in to complain to the parole board to not let him go. And then the final panel is Robin looking shocked that Batman is going into the parole board to say, no, I made a mistake, which is a really kind of a cool look on his face. And Batman's face is unchanged in both panels. And the only panel that's changed is Robin. You kind of feel like Robin's at that place of like, wow, I, I don't normally see Batman operate like that. So that's... That was like my first Norm Brayfogle story that I didn't realize I had till after the fact. Looking at his career, like I didn't know too much about him other than his art, and then like the last couple of days reading some articles and checking out his you know Wikipedia page and stuff. Did you were you aware that he had submitted a redesign for Robin's costume in 1977 to the Batman family, and it was well it was published in Batman Family issue number 13. Were you aware of that? Had you seen that before? No, and I've I just stumbled across that yesterday uh, myself. I would like to. I'm looking at the image right now. I just pulled it off of um, Facebook that somebody had posted. I remember seeing this, but I think it was in like a Robin collected trade of like, oh, here's all the different designs that Norm was coming up with while Neil Adams was doing his redesigns for the Tim Drake Robin costume. I think they threw this one in there because I remember seeing this, but I never saw it in that actual issue. But how how cool is that that you here's Norm just sending in an idea of a Robin character and then so many years later he's now actually drawing for Detective Comics. I think that's really cool. And not only that, but he I guess got to draw the official first reveal of Robin yeah. you know, or Tim Drake in the new Robin costume in the first time in Probably what forty five years or so when, since they. I mean, there yeah. were some other things like the Earth Two Robin and stuff like that. But in the official mainstream Batman title, it was the first new Robin costume ever. His costume is kind of interesting. It's, it's he's kind of got like a pirate's mask kind <laughs> yeah. of like kind of bandana, and he's got kind of these wings and stuff. I there's one above it that somebody somebody from Tucson, Arizona drew that. I was like, oh, that one's actually pretty good. It's funny that even back in 1977, even kids were like. Re- let's redo this Robin costume. Like here, DC. Like I, <laughs> right. I can during recess. My friend and I drew this, and it's better than what you've got right now. So, like, <laughs> here you go. We'll get to that whole Tim Drake thing. I'm, I'm sure in a little bit. But I wanted to just talk about his life a little bit. Apparently, he had um, a lot of early success as an artist. Like he was recognized really 
at a young age and won some awards for it. And then he began his work at DC doing Detective Comics, starring Batman. And that's where he was teamed up with Alan Grant, who he, he basically worked with his whole run at DC from 87 to uh, the, the mid-90s. I talked a little bit about that with the mud pack and stuff, but I was curious with Rob, what did you think about that? those... Um, detective comic run from from about 87 to to about the early 90s that um him and alan grant were were doing yeah i think i was reading actually you were reading just a little bit earlier than what i was so i i got caught up in the hype i mean i was picking up batman comics sporadically but it wasn't until of course 89 where i was like i gotta buy everything batman so i was hitting right at the time of year three and a lonely place to where once Norm Brayfogle comes in, he you had Jim Aparo every now and then, then you had Norm Brayfogle. So those were my, my two Batman creators. So this was a really cool time, but I was f- forever going, you know, where where's the Joker or where's the Riddler? And I'm getting characters like Scarface and Ventriloquist and uh, Clayface from time to time or somebody like Zaz uh, picked up the first Anarchy appearance. I thought, you know, these were kind of cool characters, but I was still going, I wonder why I'm not seeing Two-Face as much. And again, like we had said, Alan Grant was, he couldn't like wrap his head around it or there was already so much history with some of these other characters that Norm Brayfogle got to be part of Alan Grant's creation. And how cool where probably Alan Grant said something like, okay, I got this character, Zaz, that every time he kills somebody, he puts a a scratch on his body, and then Norm takes that idea and then draws it into life. And one of the first times seeing Zaz in a store, I thought, what a creepy Batman villain. And I stopped thinking like, gee, I hope the Joker shows up, because then the next month it would be another crazy Batman villain that a lot of the villains I just named are still predominant Batman villains to this day. And I've, I've always liked the character of anarchy and even Scarface, I think is just one that has really stuck with me and knowing that that's a, a Norm Brayfogle, Alan Grant, a creation as, as crazy as that probably shouldn't work on either probably we haven't seen it in a film, but on the animated series and in comic form, it just really kind of hit with me. Like this is a cool, crazy character that probably shouldn't work that, and probably in the hands of somebody else, it would have been a one and done character. But you know, there's a action figure of the ventriloquist right behind me on my shelf, and I got it because of Norm's work that I just thought it was such a cool character. So I really dug this Alan Grant Norm Brayfogle time. And for a while, I thought, oh, they only draw like he's only going to draw in detective comics and then i found like a shadow of the bat issue and i'm like oh cool he's over there and now he's over here so anytime i saw his name on a book i was picking it up yeah this detective run is kind of weird for me uh, especially the issues before 600 because like i said i i was not reading comics when these came out so when 600 came out i was trying to go to the store and try to buy some of these as back issues but the back issues were always more expensive. The cover price on most of these are 75 cents and the back issues could go anywhere to like three or $4 depending on it, which issue it was. And then when I would be there with my money and I'd be like, well, do I spend $4 or $3 on this one back issue that used to be 75 cents or do I buy, you know, right off the shelf, you know, three or four 
brand new comics, a lot of times I wouldn't pick up the detective comic, and then sometimes I would, but then my store didn't have all of them as well. So a lot of times, a lot of these covers I never saw before. So every now and again, I'll see a cover and I'll be like, I didn't know this existed. I didn't even know this was part of the universe. In fact, right now I'm flipping through the book. And I see Detective Comics 592 with Abraham Lincoln on the cover. And I'm like, I never even knew this was out there. It's been been there yeah. for 35 years. And Norm Brayfogle draws a pretty cool Abraham Lincoln <laughs> as he's getting ready to murder someone. So these the detective issues, like I said, like they're, they're always like a little weird to me because the reason I was buying them back issues, I could get some, I could not get some. It was always a struggle. Because as I was getting into comics, it wasn't just Batman. I was starting to read some Marvel comics. I was starting to see all these new DC titles and a lot of people I'd never heard of before, like Starman and, you know, (laughs) who's this Flash guy? I think I heard of the Flash, you know, like, oh, I remember him from Super Friends. So it was always like, and and resources were limited. So I might be going in with, you know, $5 and it's like, oh, man, I've, what am I going to buy? So when I would buy these detectives, like I would read them and I'd just be like, well, who... Who is this guy? Like the the rat catcher was in there. He was new. The <laughs> right. corrosive man was in there. Uh, but then a lot of these characters from this detective run started to re. Oh, the ventriloquist. Um, they started to reappear in Nightfall and especially like Night Quest. Um, rat catcher was in one of those. Yep. Uh, corrosive man, I think, was in one of them. So then when I was rereading that, I was like, Oh wait, I remember this from Detective. So the detective run was always a little. It never was like in my top, you know, list here. But going back and looking at them now, I can really appreciate the artwork and really appreciate them for what they are. At the time when I was like 15 or whatever, it wasn't quite as much. Some of the covers, though, are amazing. Like the cover of 593 has like Batman inside the mouth of like some giant demon. And there's got to be at least like 35 teeth that are closing in on, on Batman, you know, and the eyes are, <laughs> of this demon are insane. And But where I really started to really like Norm Brayfogle's art and really appreciate him is when he moved over from Detective to Batman. And then at the sort of around that same time is when Tim Drake started to appear. So it was kind of like a mix of Tim Drake and Norm Brayfogle and Alan Grant, I guess, taking, you know, Batman by storm. And I, I I don't know how many, you could probably, I don't have my Facebook page pulled up. You probably see it. But how many people said when their favorite Norm Brayfogle moment was the cover to Batman 465 with Batman and Tim Drake on that cover? I mean, mm. is that not like one of the greatest covers of all time? Oh, yeah. That is... Again, the joke is every time I talk about a cover, I'm always like, that should be a poster. I'm surprised that was never a poster anywhere. That's that's as an iconic shot of Batman as I think you can get anywhere. And it's it's a great homage, and I can't remember the exact issue that that's an homage from of you know Batman and Robin in the in the spotlight. But it's it totally says everything about the characters. The spotlight is on the new Robin, and Batman's got his uh, cowl up here. And I'm just kind of looking at the Facebook page. We've got, you know, a half a dozen likes or more on this. Uh, Jim Bailey says, hate to be predictable, but this picture, he had posted it on there and I posted it a couple other times myself. But that that is probably, if I had to boil all of his work down into one one shot that I absolutely love, it's, it's this one. And then... Hey, uh, before you go on to that yeah. next issue, let me just editor's note here. The spotlight issue is an homage to Batman number nine 
from way back in, I guess, probably 1940 or 41. And that has been done several times. Alex Ross did a really cool version of it. Jim Lee did a version of it for Batman and Robin, The Boy Wonder. I'm not sure which oh, yeah. issue that was. Issue 9. I, I Actually, I think it's issue 9 of... Uh, yeah, issue nine of Bo- Batman and Robin, The Boy Wonder, with Frank Miller as Batman number nine. And I think in Action Comics 1003 or 1004, that is just coming out now, is actually kind of an homage to it with Batman and Superman. I think Batman's like holding or Superman or something like that. So it's been done a lot, but I think Norm did it the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that, that's just really cool. And also on that cover, what blew me away, because at this point I've been reading Batman for couple of years dc used to do this thing where underneath the dc bullet underneath the logo and the price and the the number they put like a little artwork of the character in that issue of the issue it was kind of the same piece of artwork like they had one of superman flying and it was like on all the superman books and stuff and they had one of norm's batman and on this issue i believe it was this issue for the first time i was trying to look mm-hmm. and see and, and this was the first i could see they actually had batman standing with robin on it and that blew me away just as much as the cover. I was like, oh, look, he's on it. He's official. They can't take him away now. Yeah. You can't kill him. But 465 is one that I wish they would reprint as I guess they call them like the virgin covers, like what they're yeah. DC's doing now with their alternate covers where it has very little writing, just a little bit on the bottom, and the whole thing is artwork. Because I've seen some artwork of this issue without the writing and as much as i love the dc logo and that little artwork that's there gone too and the use of all that black in the the top corner and the bottom corner just makes the artwork just pop it just it is just so cool it makes you wonder like what is batman and robin up to as they they're, they're coming across this building with the spotlight on them and stuff oh yeah it's i could just look at this all day yeah you want to talk about a poster that could be like a fathead wall art. Like I could oh, have my whole yeah. wall just, just spotlight, yeah. Um, it, so anyway, I cut you off, but what were you going to say? No, I was thinking it was another issue. It's in this same issue because this is Tim Drake's first night officially on the town in his new costume after getting back from facing the uh, King Snake where he's on patrol with Batman and Batman kind of lets him go at a certain point by himself. And before he goes... To meet Batman, he swings by his father's hospital, and his father wakes up for the first time. So there's this really cool shot that it's a it's like a half splash uh, landscape panel at the very top where Tim is swinging in. And I've used it multiple times on the uh, Facebook page. I think it's currently the banner on my my own personal Facebook page. I think that's just a, a great shot in this issue of. Also, as well, where Tim's in his Robin costume in the hospital and he's talking to his dad like this is a new step he's going to take, climbs out the window and his dad wakes up from his coma. So that that whole series of panels, I think, is really good, too. Yeah. Did you have cover that you particularly liked? I mean, there was so many. Detective Comics has so many, but there was one. Oh, man, I just lost it. See, I knew I was going to do this here. There was one Detective Comics where Batman is... Um, in the bat cave and he's holding the slide up and he's like actually doing detective work like yeah you know i feel like that's the thing that's neglected from batman so much is the detective aspect of it but man he looks like such a great detective in that issue let me pull it up uh 619 and he's like the eyes are like a little squinty and you can see tim drake just a little bit in the background doing some work like on a computer and um i don't know if alan grant put these in his scripts but norm always seemed to have the the jason todd 
costume in the glass in the right place at the right moment and here it's it's also just like kind of right over his shoulder seeing it there and and the dinosaur and oh man i it's just so it's so good it's just such good stuff anyway what what else did you like uh six eight the six eighteen is also really good it's got the obey a man in the background you see the crashed plane and Bruce, well, Batman in this case, and Alfred are, have their hands on Tim Tim Drake's shoulders, probably you know, delivering the news of Tim's parents, like they've been crashed, they're captured, and he knows what's going on right before he goes out and rescues them. I think it's really cool. And there's all this kind of, like, I don't know what you call it, mystical, but like, obey a man like symbols that are in the red behind the background and you see him have the skull and you can see just the uh, squint of his eyes that are almost completely blacked out i always thought this was a really cool cover and as ominous as he is it's all brought down you know to really really small moment with batman alfred and tim i always thought that was really cool and another one that i liked that i just picked up today that i never knew i've only like you were talking about, like the all virgin covers. I've seen this posted a lot after Norm's death of Batman standing in a graveyard, leaning up against Norm Brayfogle's grave. And I thought, oh, somebody superimposed that on there. But it's actually in Detective Comics 610 with Batman in a cemetery, leaning with his back up against Norm Brayfogle's own grave, which I think is really kind of, you know, a little eerie. But the other grave headstones in here are, uh, you know, one for Denny O'Neill, the Penguin. Then there's uh, one that says Roy Mitchell. And then Alan Grant has his own uh, gravestone here. So I've always liked this image, but I always just assumed that it, it wasn't a real thing, that people were just doctoring this after his death. But, you know, here it is. I'm holding the actual issue in my hand. You know what's amazing about that issue? And I remember seeing that issue and seeing recognizing the creator's names on the graves. Batman looks so somber and so sad and like so like like in mourning at this gravesite, but it's all done with his posture and the cape. Like you can't see his face. You just see the eyes. His whole face is in black. So it's not done with the the, the normal facial expression. And it, it's just right. amazing as an artist that he could <laughs> make Batman look like he was in mourning just based on his shoulders and posture and draw all these birds on the cover and the, the, the sun setting in the background. It's just amazing. It's just amazing. Yeah. And there's, there isn't an ounce of detail that he's not drawing that isn't there. It's not like he's phoning in. Okay. He's drawing 12 birds and all the rest of these are just little squiggles. Even the birds that are farther away in the perspective were, are kind of like V's. Each one of these are just a little bit different than the next to show that he just didn't go, okay, V, 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 here we go. But he just put um, a lot of time and energy in it. You can kind of tell, like you were talking about his posture, you can see where he's got his cape wrapped around him. And you can see where he's making a fist up by his shoulder where he's like kind of holding on to the cape and more he has the cape in his shoulder and his hands that he, like you said, he's being very uh, reflective. Um, I did have a question for you. Like we, I think we've addressed this in older episodes, but what did you think of his Tim Drake in his early start and then getting into uh, um, Nightfall? I mean, to me, he, his Tim Drake was the definitive Tim Drake, at, at least on, until Robin won and then Tom Grummet was able to kind of, I think Tom Grummet's Tim Drake stood, you know, shoulder to shoulder with... Uh, Norm Brayfogle's Tim Drake and uh, Graham Nolan's as well is pretty phenomenal. But if if I close my eyes and think of Tim Drake, it's probably 
going to be that that very first panel like it's it's kind of funny that the most iconic panel might be the very first panel where we ever saw him where he's like meet the new robin and he had that fist up and everything uh and you know his his tim drake is not that different from tom grummet's and i uh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure tom grummet and all of them they tried to keep consistent so it wasn't like totally different you know why is he six feet tall in one issue and and you know five eleven in another or something but um actually that's not much of a difference it's only yeah. an inch. <laughs> five one how about five one um yeah. <laughs> i noticed that you draw tim that, that'd be great at a you know convention i noticed that you draw tim drake exactly one inch shorter than norm bray fogel how come you know <laughs> yeah like uh, you need to go get a life all right um but um I, gosh man it's like a part of my childhood i have no tattoos and i don't think i'll ever get a tattoo because i don't like needles but maybe if Same i here. did <laughs> his his tim drake might be you know like what i would put on my forearm maybe or something you know like like it's it, how about you I, i'm i'm the same way i I was always torn between the two, but I think if I really go between uh, Grummet and Norm Brayfogle, but I think if I went with my gut reaction, it's it's not just because of his passing where everybody's like, oh, I'm going to jump on the Norm Brayfogle bandwagon. He was really one of my first Batman artists that I was collecting where I knew that this is Norm Brayfogle, and I th- I was always a sucker for a really long cape. So anytime Batman and Robin were perched on a gargoyle or they were jumping down, they just had this huge cape that probably went on for like 50 yards, you know, that when they landed on the ground, it'd be really easy for the bad guy to grab a hold of them and go like, I got you by the end of your cape and just start whipping them around, but just made him seem so powerful. And like you said, his line work, it always gave a real sense of motion and, and movement to where, some artists may be drawing a punch or a kick and you're like, Oh, Batman's kicking. But I think with Norm, he just had this really kinetic way of telegraphing is the wrong word, but you could almost kind of feel like the pages were moving when Batman and Robin were fighting bad guys that you just kind of, kind of got lost in the artwork. And I always really appreciated that. Rob, uh, I, with, I, ha- yeah. I have to say it. I have to say it. There was great fluidity in yes. the art. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Great fluidity. I almost dropped that in there, but I thought if I yeah. go on long enough, I know Terrence will put it in. It kind of sounded like you were trying to say every word that means fluidity. A fluidity without fluid. Kind of like <laughs> yeah. in uh, the, the, the Spider-Man reboots where they tried to say, you know, with great responsibility or great power comes great responsibility in every way without saying the actual <laughs> thing. Um, the... Then, you know, something happened in 1992 where I think the, the, the world was still having Batmania from 89 and um, the, the new Batman Returns was coming out pretty soon. And DC still saw Superman, I think, as number one and Batman was number two at that time. It's kind of hard to for anyone who's just come up into the comics in the last 20 years to think of Batman was like number two mm-hmm. at, for a while. But it was always seemed like Superman got everything first. Batman was second. Whatever it was, it was always Superman first. So Superman was the first one to have four monthly titles. And then Batman became second to have four monthly titles, pretty much one a week. Because the Detective and Batman used to come out 15 times a year. They would come out, you know, twice a month in the summer. Then they stopped doing that when Legends of the Dark Knight was came out. And then um, Shadow of the Bat, number one, came out in 1992, which is kind of weird because this was a big, like, hey, Norm Brayfogel and, and Alan Grant, they're launching their own title. It's their own book. It's this, this big deal. But yet, uh, Brayfogel 
who does these amazing covers didn't do the covers for the book. You know, Brian Stetfried's did, and his covers are amazing. So it's hard to argue with it. But it's, I don't know if maybe Norm spent more time on the interiors and why yeah. he didn't do the covers or not. I'm not. I'm not really sure. But um, I absolutely loved Shadow of the Bat when it launched. I, I kind of became like, this is my favorite title because it came out when I was collecting. So I was like, I can be right here at number one. And Legend of the Dark Knight was good, but it would like every couple issues, you had a different creative team, a different feel to the book, a different story. It was hard to really have a consistent flow to that book and say like, oh, I love this book. And Detective and Batman have been around for so long. I could feel like Shadow of the Bat is like, this is my book. And the first story arc, the last Arkham, was so flipping good. And it was so... Mm-hmm. Anyone who complained that Alan Grant and Norm Brayfogle in their detective run and Batman didn't give you the classic characters, like I think this... This predated Hush's idea of like like let's just put all the characters in one story. Yeah. And this had all the characters in that one story and his art, you could see they were letting him just like expand and and, and go big or go home kind of like, you know, they weren't reining him in. He could do whatever he wanted pretty much uh and it was phenomenal. Were you on were you buying Shadow of the Bat as soon as it came out in 92? Yeah, same way. I could, by that point, we've had an, had enough Batman content that when I saw that I can't remember what issue I saw it solicited in and saw those two names I'm like that is great and knowing that like you said that's their book I'm there right on the ground floor and I finally felt like ha Batman's got a third book to be in and I was the same way about Legends I thought Legends was good but I I felt like it was a new book every month I'm like oh I liked this book but I didn't like that book and I didn't feel that way with Shadow I felt like it was consistent and yeah, it would tie into maybe a larger story here or there in the, in the Batman universe. But for the most part, it was really kind of self-contained. Yeah. That issue number one of Shadow of the Bat was the first appearance of Victor Zaz, which I thought he had been around for a When I first read that, I thought he'd been around for a while. But man, there is just some great Victor Zaz stuff. The idea that he was a killer and that he marked himself after each kill. Uh, and then that was stolen in the Black Panther movie. But <laughs> the, uh, the, um, and then he had like that one cut that was like under his foot. Like, oh man, that when that reveal with that artwork was so amazing. I, I felt like when I was reading a lot of the, the articles and stuff about Norm Brayfogle, they mentioned Victor's as, they mentioned some of it, but I don't think he gets enough credit for the anarchy, you know, and creating oh, anarchy yeah. and the flow of anarchy. And I feel like anarchy is one of these great characters because anarchy is timeless. Like, you could use anarchy at any time, there's always going to be. A left wing. There's always going to be like an angry young man. There's always going to right. be, no matter what civilization, no matter what time period, no matter what. There's always a middle. There's always a right. There's always a, a left. And anarchy is so so great like that. I, I believe anarchy appeared in Shadow of the Bat as well too. And um, before we move on, was there anything you wanted to say about Shadow of the Bat before? No. We kinda, yeah. No. I, I think Shadow of the Bat is it's a very underrated book, and I don't think it's ever been collected in its own i think the only way that any shadow of the bat issues get collected in if it's in like a a nightfall or a troika or or something like that i don't think it's getting the the praise that that book deserves because it's it's a very very solid book so do yourself a favor you could probably find them in the dollar bins you know or a 50 cent bin somewhere and every time i see a shadow of the bat book i feel like i have to rescue it like no yeah. th- this should be a wall book or this should 
this should be what other books, you know, strive to be in, especially in the 90s, to have a book that I, I loved as much as the main Batman or Detective book, that if I was down on my last few dollars, if I saw all three books there, it was a real hard choice to go, oh, I only have enough for one book, which of the ones I was going to get. So I'd flip through all of them, I'd go, nope, Shadow looks like it's telling a single story here. So I would go with Shadow and then beg my parents later for, you know, Batman or Detective. My dad's like, you're at a high school. You have a job. Go go buy it yourself. I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, oh, yeah okay. <laughs> Dad, can I please get Shadow the Bat? What, what is this, you know? Or, or like my mom was like, sure, I'm just happy I have a son who's like buying comics and not drugs and alcohol yeah. and all this I'm, stuff, you know, yeah. And my parents are always like, you know, I'm just glad you're reading. I wish it was something more than Batman, but you're reading words, so let, let's go with that. Yeah. You know what was also in, a, in Shadow of the Bat a bunch of times, and I noticed this when I was I was looking at it. Norm drew a really great Nightwing. Like his oh, yeah. Nightwing is really cool, and the the fluidity, the the motion that Nightwing <laughs> has, you know, like the flips and stuff with the ponytail and everything was really cool. Like I always loved his Nightwing. And I what I think was really cool with you just talking about Nightwing's ponytail is that. There wasn't an ounce of the character that wasn't moving. Like in some cases, just using Nightwing for example, if an other artist and not knocking them, but they might not think to draw Nightwing's ponytail. Like it's in the air, it's moving too. So from panel to panel, it's kind of flopping around. Like Norm was doing a really good job of just doing like cape work like that. Like if they would do like the superhero landing type of thing, the cape would come around and be wrapped around. And then the next panel, if Batman was standing up, you could tell that the cape wasn't still behind him. He had flipped it around off to his side or whatever. So I always dug stuff like that. So for a character without the cape, there might be little wrinkles in the suit to kind of show you that wind is moving or in Nightwing's case, it's the... Uh, ponytail or in when he had the second version of the Nightwing costume with the yellow part where he had like little wings, those little wings underneath his armpits would move uh, when Norm drew it. So I just thought those little attention to detail just really made me look at somebody like Norm and go, wow, like he gets it. He's, he's not wasting any moment drawing the panel where it's like, okay, Nightwing lands, boom, here you go. You got to feel and in some cases, that movement. Yeah, and his Joker, too. There was a, a three-issue series, um, I, I, I can't find it right now, where it was like the return of the Joker, and it was the first time you had seen the Joker since um, Death in the Family, the family where he yeah. fell off the he- helicopter. And there's one scene where the Joker... This is the first time, I think, where I th- saw the Joker as like really kind of... like just badass like it's as opposed to just like silly where he has got like a fedora he's got the trench coat he's got a tommy gun which i love the way tommy guns look i don't know why people don't use them anyway i don't know a thing about i don't know i don't know a thing about guns i don't know what that obviously there's probably some defect in them that you don't see them anymore but they use them in the animated series and stuff i just love the way tommy guns look and anyway, he's just like shooting and, and just smiling widely and yeah his joker was um just phenomenal and you know i, I wanted to mention i forgot to mention this there's a scene in Shadow of the Bat. I'm not sure what issue it is, and I, I have to go dig in the long boxes. Batman is like in Arkham, and he gets confronted by like his entire rogues gallery, and you're like, oh my god! And then uh. Batman just go, just turns out and beats the crap out of like every single one of them. <laughs> I remember reading that and just being like, yeah. 
yes, whoa, <laughs> look at this guy. You're like that 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 board is a little bit on like superhero, uh, you know, like superhuman ability. But right, I don't right. Care. It was so cool. And then uh, Norm left DC for a while. He did uh, Prime for Malibu Comics in that wave of where just everybody was jumping ship and and leaving and and starting their own. There were so many new titles and so many new companies and stuff. I, I did not read Prime. I was kind of getting out of comics a bit at that time, and there was just too much. So uh, did you did you read Prime, or are you no, kind of like me with that? Yeah, I, I, I was the same way, and I was really a one-trick pony. If it didn't have Batman and Robin on it, I really didn't read a lot. I was reading some, some impulse, like if Robin was associated with things, I'd read it. So other than a Green Lantern or an Aquaman or Superman there, even though somebody like Norm that I really liked his work, once somebody left, it it really took me like, okay, not that I'm not a fan, but I was like, well, I still really like Batman at the end of the day, so that's kind of where where I stayed unless I stumbled on another issue from somebody else. But I just hadn't read a lot. But then Norm, he did come back. One of the things that I, I really liked that he did, and I don't know if you had read this here, DC, let's see, when, I think I have the date this came out. No, I don't have the Oh, yeah, here it is. It, it came out in 2011, August 17th, 2011. And DC came out with a series called Retroactive, where they got creators from the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s re- create brand new stories but in the style and the theme of the uh, 70s 80s and 90s and him and alan grant teamed up to do a ventriloquist story which was was really a lot of fun to see that artwork and it was just the classic with the lines and the the weird shaped panels and the ventriloquist and stuff but that was a a really fun series did you pick that one up? No, I, I never really did. And somebody that I would like to kind of hear from is uh, a good friend of ours that just hopped on the call with us, Mr. Ryan Haas. Hello. Um, hey, hey, what were some of your thoughts about uh, Norm Breifogel? Oh, man. Well, <clears throat> I mean, it was definitely sad that, to hear that he passed away. You know, he, he his name keeps coming up whenever we talk about, you know, prolific Batman artists or artists from the eighties or nineties that really, you know, shaped the character of the time. And personally, he, I mean, him along with Jim Aparo was, was absolutely the, the people that crafted, you know, what I think in my head as my Batman. If, if like, if Jim Aparo is, um, is the quintessential, he, he does like this quintessential classic heroic stoic batman uh, but norm brayfogle was always the one that would have the the darker the moodier the edgier kind of kind of kind of thing I, I made some posts on uh on bof on the on their twitter and instagram and i said that um uh, in the batman realm norm brayfogle was responsible for some of the most striking and dynamic depictions of the dark knight and his uh, world that still resonate with fans today he will be greatly missed so yeah i mean just in general he he was always one of my favorite batman artists just because he was able to kind of tap into that gothic kind of striking visuals but it, but he didn't go too far too esoteric or you know he it was very balanced but also very dynamic so he was always one of my favorite batman artists terrence and i had been talking about some of our uh, favorite covers what was what were a few that uh, you had that were just like i always say this is poster worthy what were some right. of your your poster worthy 
Hey, covers. before before you say that, and give Ryan a second to think here and, and narrow yeah. it down because there's so yeah. many. Yeah, but yeah. I just wanted to touch on something Ryan said. Ryan said, you know, when he he thinks of Jim Aparo and Norm Rayfogle, that's his Batman. But I hear that so many people say that, like my Batman, my Batman. Mm-hmm. So many people reference the Batman the animated series as like their Batman. But yet, if you look at the animated series, you could see that like they drew on. I think Norm Brayfogle's Batman and what Norm Brayfogle did with the white of the eyes moving and, and all that stuff. Pretty oh, much yeah. As much as any artist of the time or, or ever. So like when a lot of people say, oh, my Batman is the animated series Batman, they're really saying Norm Brayfogle, you know, indirect. That, yeah. That's a great point. If you just look at the intro for the animated series alone where you have the, the moving silhouette of Batman, and but you see the silhouette and the eyes. That's, that's something that Brayfogle would do a lot. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I hadn't even thought about it till you just brought that up, Terrence, about it, it being the the animated series. Uh, something that you were talking really quick about um, what issue that uh, Joker uh, reintroduction was was uh, Batman five five four fifty one four fifty one. That's a great cover. Yeah. And now isn't the, didn't those take place at like after, right after the Killing Joke? Something no, like that. Those after were, Death in the Family. Death in the Family. The oh, okay, okay. I knew it was after some ends, big event. Yeah, with him like falling off a helicopter, and then Batman can't find the body, and even though he's got Superman there with him at the UN. Come on, man. <laughs> but yeah. uh, and didn't the, those uh, issues like have like a Joker imposter or something right, and that drives right. him out of hiding? Okay. And, yeah. And the real Joker is like healing from his injuries from that helicopter crash. And if you see my copy of it, which I cherish more than like a, a 9.8 mint copy in a, a plastic casing, <laughs> my copy has got like all these lines in it because I rolled it up into like a tube and snuck it under my shirt so I could read it in class because <laughs> I had bought it. <laughs> and, and I still see that it is so rolled up and stuff, but it like brings back such memories of like sneaking that into school and reading it and like getting away with reading the joke comic so yeah that's worth more to me than a, 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 a absolute mint edition well you say that and i have a similar story so when i when i say norm bray fogel like defined my batman i'm not joking he drew the cover of the first batman comic i ever owned and i still own um mm. which is and i think i might have mentioned this, this on the show before it's it's batman number 460 with uh catwoman on the cover that was the very first comic, Batman comic book I ever had. I got it from, I think my mom got it for me from the grocery store. And and I'll never forget it just because it was so, it was dynamic. You know, Batman's just a silhouette on the back. It's not like the first thing you would think of in terms of like this, like an iconic like Batman shot or whatever. But it's it, it always stands out to me because it was my, my very first comic book. Yeah, yeah I'm pulling there. it up. Right now, and uh, it it is like quintessential Norm Brayfogle like style, like the the I guess it's a rooftop that Catwoman is on is slanted. Mm-hmm. It's on like a forty five degree angle, and we note notice he does a lot of like slanted panels and irregular shaped panels, and 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 the, I guess what they call it the Dutch angle in in the old uh, Batman series, but yeah. His, his background, he would spend as much time on bats or birds. Here there's like Egyptian symbols and like a giant cat that is, is just so cool. Yeah. It sets the tone of like this is – this comic's going to take you to this other world and this other realm and you'll get to like – it's a portal to some other place as opposed to <laughs> – Man, that's uh, a great yeah. – you know, yeah. I love that. I love that you say that because if you look at all the Penguin Affair covers, you know, Batman 448, Detective Comics 610, there's birds all over the place. 
you know, yeah. and and if you look at Batman 457, that has the Tim Drake on the cover. You know, there's spiders everywhere. So you know, there's just like a lot of like animals and things yeah, like four, that going 457 on. 457 freaks me out with all those spiders all over Batman. <laughs> and then the lines pointing towards Tim Drake is classic Norm. He does that so much with all those lines pulling yeah. your eye to what you want to see and then that tim drake in shadow and you just see his eyes but you can't see the costume and i was one of those people who read 457 not knowing the new cost i mean i can't believe in this day and age with twitter and like all the leaks and everything that like i actually <laughs> bought that issue not knowing what the last panel was but oh yeah those are great covers and we just saw that uh, an homage to that recently last year in james tinian's uh tiny so Tynan. Uh, Tynan. Tynan. I said wrong. Uh, <laughs> in his uh, Lonely Place of Living run where uh, Eddie Barrows draws a homage to Meet the New Robin. Yeah, and, exactly. Which, you know, not not saying anything bad about uh, Eddie. Eddie did, did a wonderful job, but there's just something that Norm captured in that that I think is just really kind of hard to create in that excitement of here is the brand new Robin. And that's something Terrence said earlier. Norm got to draw that costume well, he was the first one to draw it for the very first time in, you know, probably what thirty-five, forty years, probably at that point that there was a new Robin costume, other than Don Newton's Jason Todd Robin costume, but that didn't mm-hmm. become that really canon. Count. Yeah, that didn't really count. But that I think that's really cool that he got to put that stamp on. Here is what the new Robin looks, and it's been in movies, it's been in the animated series, and it's one of those quote-unquote 90s looks for a character that looks very much practical today like tim drake in the current dc comics is still running around in that costume and it doesn't scream guy gardner warrior like wow that is totally a 90s mm-hmm. costume it's yeah. it's quintessential it's 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 surpassed what everything else is even though it was kind of neil adams inspired norm took all of that, and then made it his own, and that just became a stamp for Tim Drake for many years. Hey, quick question, Ryan? Do you still have that ish Batman four sixty issue? I do, somewhere? I do. Cool, awesome, yeah. And does it have a lot of wear and tear? Like, it, oh, it is. It is beat to hell. It is just. <laughs> yeah. It's been read and reread and frayed edges and everything. But I would not trade it for the world. Yeah, yeah that's I, awesome. I think one of my first actual Batman comics is Batman Annual number nine. And it was the same way, rolled it up, put it in my pocket, and I always remember having it in my back pocket or put it in my coat sleeve when we would go somewhere and I'd pull it out and seeing my dad go, did you bring a comic book with you again? Yeah, because we're on a road trip and I want something to read. And that was the <laughs> one of the only few that I have, which doesn't apply here for Norm, but it's still one of those, like you remember your, your first one that you're holding on to, like, I got to read this again. Oh yeah, those, when I was a kid, I read and reread and reread those books over and over again. It's weird now where I like read it and then just put it in the bag and then put it in the box and then don't see it for a decade. You know? <laughs> uh, something I wanted to bring up that as I was posting stuff on Twitter and Facebook of people just wanting to remember Norm and saying what their memories are. There's there's a great I don't have the statue yet, but Michael Frecker, uh, the Batman Black and White Norm Brayfogle statue, it just looks amazing. Ryan, do you have this one? I may have just bought that statue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I told my wife I was like, um, I'm not telling you what to get me for Christmas, but you're gonna get this for me for Christmas. Or I, uh, yeah, I, I asked for it last year when it was announced, and um, I dropped a thousand hints, and I, and I never, <laughs> I never got it. 
So uh, I I kind of got fed up last week. I'm like, Norm Bravefogel's passed away. I never got that <laughs> dumb statue. I mean, it's kind of dumb and selfish and whatever. But I but I it takes a, a a really good statue to stand out in that line now because there are so many of them. Right. So and and that whole series is something that I I, I collect. I don't collect a lot of super expensive, you know, Batman figures. So the the black and white statues is kind of like my one like premium collectible thing that I try to do. But since, like I said, since there's so many statues, it's hard to, it's hard for one, any one statue to stand out a lot. So I tend to just go to, for my favorite artists. And that, that one is definitely one of the, one of the better looking ones. Um, and so it's, yeah, so I'm excited to get that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm trying to remember that is, oh, it's D- Detective Comics 587 is where that statue is based off with the cap, the cap. The yes. Just blowing out to the yeah, side. It's exactly. So long. Exactly. Yeah. Now, this was something I, I did not pick up this, and I will high-five both of you if you do. Ashley Crock on Facebook has said, don't forget Detention Comics that Norm Brayfogel done. It was a one-shot with stories for Tim Drake, Guy Gardner, and um, Impulse, I believe. I, I've never read it. Have you guys heard about this at all, Detention Comics? I, I have seen it. I've seen it, okay. but I don't think I own it, but I have seen it. I know I haven't. What about you, Terrence? Yeah, no, I had never heard of this before until I saw that post from Ashley. Although I, I'm pulling it up right now. For some reason, I feel like I've seen this. Yeah, it looks familiar, before. doesn't it? Yeah. 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 I was the same way. Like, I know I saw it, but... But it's not... And look at those three characters. Look how, like, yeah. out of those three, look look which costume kind of stands the test of time a little bit yeah, better right. than the other two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, the Guy Gardner warrior. I, I was such a huge Guy Gardner fan, too, but that just makes me cringe. But the Superboy still has, like, a little bit of a retro feel that you can kind of, like, retro say it's okay, but that that Guy Gardner is just awful. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, gosh. You know what? I say this, and I probably have it sitting in a long box somewhere, but um, <laughs> I, I I don't think I have this. Yeah, I, I know. I, I don't have it in mind. I went through, like, one of the CLZ comic apps, and I was – Scrolling like, oh, I'm sure I have it because once I saw the cover, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that, and I, I don't have it at all. I went through all the D's in my, uh, my filing cabinet for like comics, and I'm like, yeah, it's not here. So that's probably going to be an eBay purchase, or it's probably in a dollar bin somewhere. So this was something I, I really wanted to to do to kind of to get this show out. We were trying to get everything planned here, and I didn't know Norm Brayfogle personally. I never got a chance to meet him at a convention. I Ironically, just a few weeks ago, I found uh, a Batman comic signed in an Amish flea market that I got for a dollar, and I recognized the signature, and I actually did a couple Google images just to make sure, like, is that how he signed his name? And he just wrote Brayfogle. Anytime that he yeah. signed anything, it was never Norm. It just said Brayfogle. So I remember going, I think this is actually his signature. It was somebody that I always hoped to meet one day at a convention and sadly never got to, but that I own a signature uh, by him, I always thought was kind of cool. So any other thoughts you guys have uh, about Norm? I know Ryan just uh, joined us briefly here trying to scramble to get this uh, recording out. Yeah. Uh, do you have any other favorite memories or just issues that we were talking about uh, Shadow the Bat and that's one of those books. I, I was going to say that's like a that's like a Norm Brayfogle and Alan Grant's like baby, right? Like yeah. a, a, a good chunk of that series was, was devoted to them. And wasn't that basically spawned out of um, or DC wanted to give them a book to do together yeah. while all the Nightfall stuff kind of started to happen. Is is yeah. that kind of the thing? 
I, I believe that's how that that yeah. spurred out. And Bray Fogle did what the first half of Nightfall, something like that. I think so. In Detective, like I remember he did some of the uh, some of the Zaz, the Zaz issue and stuff like that. That that's yeah. I think all vivid. of all of their creation, Zaz, um, the Ventriloquist. Ventriloquist. Yeah, um, I think there was oh the Rat. I think was the Rat Catcher. And no, that was I in um, Prodigal. Yeah. I think that first uh, escape breakout, those little side stories, like, yeah. uh, what's his name? All I can think of is Nam from Superman. Uh, Amygdala yeah. uh, was one. Like, that was Amigle? all of their first. Amygdala? Uh, yeah. <laughs> that that was their first. I, I, I'm hearing that radio drama. I know. <laughs> right now. Amygdala? Amygdala? <laughs> and then in, in, in the background, Harvey Bullock always has to be like, he, he's the one that always says it right, even though he's chewing on something. Amygdala. Amygdala. <laughs> Yeah, do you guys have the? Um, I'm flipping through it right now. Do you guys have the Legends of the Dark Knight uh, Norm Brayfogle hardcover? Yeah, I got it from Ollie's. Yeah, yeah. Too. that yeah. that was the one that I could not find. I found all the other Batman related hardcovers. So I, at this point, I'm I'm willing to pay the forty fifty bucks for it. Terrence was talking about it earlier, but there are there any in there that you just really like that you want to talk about for a moment? Well, re- real quick before Ryan just says that it. The one that I have says Volume One. I don't volume know if one, they came out I, with the Volume Two. I was two. wondering. So I figured it's they were the it, early stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The early stuff. I mean, there. I mean, it's got everything in it. You know, it's got some. It's got like the Clayface stuff and and some ventriloquist stuff. Ratcatcher is in there. That's right. Those mud pack covers. I'll I'll never forget those. Like those are always very very vivid and. You were talking about favorite covers. Did you guys talk about Detective Six Twenty Seven, where it's a painted uh, Norm Brayfogle cover that uh, you know it is an homage to Batman's first appearance in Detective Twenty Seven? No, we did not. It, yeah, look it up. It's probably one of my favorite reinterpretations of that classic cover. I mean, that you've seen that get recreated over and over and over, but that's probably one of my favorite ones because it's Brayfogle and because it's painted. It's it's kind of a really cool image. Oh, yeah. I, now that oh, I just yeah. pulled it up, I remember that. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. like anniversary on the, the front mm-hmm. of it and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Detective yeah. 627. That is a that great cover. Cool. I completely yeah. forgot all about that one. I said, this is something we just can continue. Like Terrence at the beginning of the show, we tried to do a really good job of, of describing stuff and like, yeah. oh, I'm going I'm to move along and listen to a podcast. This is hop on your computer and follow mm-hmm. along. Basically, yeah. 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 I'm sure you guys talked about Batman 465, right? Nah, not really. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, moving on. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I really like Batman 459, too. That's... I remember picking that issue up, back issue Ben, and I just love that because it's Batman and Zorro in in the movies kind of thing, you know, and it's got oh, yeah. um, you know, Jim Gordon and um Essen on the cover. Yeah, that one's cool. So many of uh, um I almost said Aparo. So many of Brave Vogel's covers just have this look of like what the heck is going on? But I need to pick up this issue and read it because it's just yeah. He he, he does so so much like imagery of other things like bats and birds and cemeteries and cats and things that that really just makes you say like I, I've got to yeah. read this. And real quick, while we were talking here, I, I pulled up, I bought Detention Comics here digitally, and um, <laughs> this one might, might be 
we might have to review. So the, there's the three yeah. stories in it, but only the Robin story is penciled by Norm Brayfogle. The other two okay. mm-hmm. are penciled by other people. And the cover is really silly and goofy, but the Robin story is serious. I didn't really read it. It hmm. looks like the Guy Gardner story is kind of goofy. Guy Gardner is like a teacher. And it, it feels <laughs> really familiar to me, but I don't know if that's just because I've read a billion comics or, or maybe I've read it at some point. The Joe Phillips does the the Guy Gardner story and Ron Lim does the um, Superboy story. But the uh, Robin story, it's written by Denny O'Neill, penciled Ooh. by Oprah. Yeah, penciled well, by Denny Yeah, and it's, <laughs> Son it's, of a... yeah, it's inked by Klaus Johnson. The, well, damn oh, it. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> we got to get so, that then. Yeah. yeah, and seeing Norm's pencils inked with Claus Johnson, it's really good artwork. It's really good stuff. So, uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to, even if it's not a dollar bin, I may have to splurge on eBay or something. Cause it, well, it, folks, there's your next podcast homework assignment. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it, it actually would be a good one for the podcast because it feels like a shorter story. It feels like it's only, you know... Um, I, I don't know, but 10 or 12 pages. So, you know, it only takes Interesting. four wow. hours to talk about 10 pages. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a cover, so we were talking about covers. A cover that I have always liked uh, is Batman 459, uh, where, uh, and again, this is another one of the creations from uh, Alan Grant and Norm Brayfogle's Herald. Uh, one of the first introductions to right. Herald. Uh, so cool, where it looks kind of like very much leaning into no, no, yeah. Hunchback of Notre Dame, that's really hard to say, where everybody down below has the pitchforks and lights and they're shining up and Harold's got this girl in his arms. And that's something we were saying earlier, uh, maybe you can talk on Ryan, that the characters that they were creating, a good chunk of them have stood the test of time. They landed in the animated series that I've yeah. got. I've got a ventriloquist action figure behind me on my shelf. Yeah. Like, yeah, Ventriloquist and Scarface and um, and Zaz, like those those two or three characters are those are part of the the main Batman villain lexicon. It's hard to create a new Batman villain, and it's also hard to create a, a Batman villain that actually is able to stick around past just a couple issues and, and break out and, and get into other forms of media. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, look look how quickly the Court of Owls jumped into the. Uh, the lexicon, but it had to be this giant, like super popular story to do it. Just and it was a court of owls and talons and stuff like that, or Professor Pig, like from Grant Morrison. He had to be just one wild and crazy, like really interesting character. It takes pretty strong villains like that to to actually move from one form of media to another. So, and those have always been, I thought, really interesting villains because one thing that Grant Alan Grant does so well is creating these. He always has like a psychological angle to his stories. Yeah. And the villains he creates are, are good psychological examinations, uh, cross rep examinations to Batman. A lot of times, like if just read the, um, and one of the best examples of that I can think of is the, the nightfall issue where it's Batman versus Zaz. And, and that's something that Brayfogle was always able to kind of tap into and enhance, you know, that story. So um, I think that's a good one to go back and look at. Cover wise, did you got have you guys seen the cover? Brayfogle, another talking about uh, painted Brayfogle covers. Did you see the cover for Volume Two of the Greatest Batman Stories Ever Told? Uh, maybe I'm gonna try to pull it up. Here. It's um, of course it came around out around 1992, so it's Batman, Catwoman, and Penguin 
but it's it's Bray Fogel, Bray Fogel's interpretation of of those, and it's pretty cool. Oh yeah, I'm, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm looking at it right it now. now. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. That's great. Seeing yeah. uh, Penguin to the left and Catwoman to the right and Batman mm-hmm. uh, in shadow there. That's really cool. I didn't. And we were talking about Holy Terror and uh, something I forgot to mention. I know. We, were, we were talking about it. That is the first Elseworlds book to get the official Elseworlds the, lo- the stamp, stamp the logo. Yeah, it. and that that was a painted cover as well. So I didn't. Mm-hmm. I had forgotten that he had done that, but his his painted covers are just absolutely beautiful. Yeah, yeah, they're really they're really good. I, I, I also wanted to bring up a couple of the things he did later in his career. Only a few years ago, he. He did a lot, uh, uh, quite a few issues of the digital first Batman Beyond series. Did you guys read any, any of those? Yes, I yes. did. I did too. That was really great. Yeah. Yeah. Was it digital first? I think it was digital first. Digital first. Yeah. yeah. I believe so. I think they had it set up to where what, like a three weeks or something. It was one story, and on the fourth week, it was a different one, and, yeah. and that and Norm's was that one or something like that. Yeah, I believe um, so. But yeah, I thought that was that was cool, and I always thought his uh, art style was lent itself pretty well to Batman Beyond because Batman Beyond is is a sil- bat- black silhouette with with dark eyes or with white eyes so yeah, um, yeah so I think that kind of matched and um the other thing that I, he did that I thought was really interesting was they were able to when they did those retroactive books where they had like uh, one book per decade and they brought back old creative teams from those decades to make new stories and for the 1990s version of retroactive they reprinted an old Ventriloquist and Scarface story from the '90s or late '80s, maybe I don't remember exactly when. But then they, but then Grant was it Grant, yeah, Grant and Bray yeah, Fogel, yeah. yeah, yeah, wrote and drew a brand new uh, sequel to that story, and they put, printed them both in the same book. So I thought that was a really clever idea on DC's part, and it was mm-hmm. really cool to to have them pick that creative team to do that um, for that series. Yeah, and Ryan, one of the things we talked about before you jumped on was um, how Norm Brayfogle was able to really show emotion in Batman's face. It's, it's not just mm-hmm. the, the GD Batman where he's gritting his teeth, and but the the pain, oh, he, the suffering, pain, horror. Sometimes he's like freaking out. Like, yeah, yeah, there's a there's a wide range of of emotions. He he does a really good job at showing. Yeah, for sure. And, and on so many of the covers, Batman's like he's he is not just he's in jeopardy, like he's full out like incapacitated. Like that Catwoman series that um you were talking about earlier that was your first. I, I know one of those covers has Catman on it with Catwoman standing over like basically Batman's <laughs> oh, yeah. body. Or like yeah, and there's so many of these covers where Batman is just like he's just he's just done. Like I'm looking right here. Uh Detective seven eighty nine uh five eighty nine, I'm sorry, where um the corrosive man is about to throw, you know, a basically dead Batman in the burning pit. And there's so many of these wow. we talk about the mud pack issue where Batman mm-hmm. is uh, crying. And and so many of these scenes don't actually appear in the issue they're just you know the the yeah. to get you but he gets away with it like so many other people be like oh batman would never be this way batman would never be down like this batman beats everybody and doesn't break a sweat but but he could get away with putting batman in just the most awful <laughs> positions ever and it just makes you want to read the story not be like oh that's stupid and not And you know what it. the flip of that is he also has covers like 606 where anarchy is introduced and batman's barely on the cover He's right. He's either in like a surprint, like you said, on Death's Door, or Batman's not even the focal point of of his own issue. 
because he's like in this anarchy. Anarchy is very prominent in the bottom. You got the bat signal with the A over the top of it, and Batman, very teeny tiny at the very top of the building, is up there. That Norm's able to flip that from one extreme to the other of showing you this is definitely Batman's book, or this is Batman's book, but this is an anarchy story, or this is a Clayface story, or whatever those things are. Something we were talking about, the Legends of the Dark Knight, there is a volume two that is coming out that is going to be released on November 27th. Yeah, I was looking uh, at that. I was looking that up too. Yeah. So that's, I mean, this was something obviously that was in the works before his passing. So um, I'm looking at it right now on Barnes and Noble and I'm wondering if this is going to be the final cover for it. It, It's, it it looks really cool. It's nice orange background uh, with Batman with his cape billowing out behind him and he's pulling the other end up over towards his face holding a batarang on top of a gargoyle. If this is the final cover, I think it looks absolutely great. But knowing that we've got a couple months, I'm wondering when this comes out, if it's not going to get a little bit of a different treatment just because of uh, his, his passing. So mm-hmm. th- that's up to think about for Christmas presents for all your Batman fans that like uh, <laughs> Norm Brayfogle. Hint, hint, honey. Hope you're listening from the other room. Any other final thoughts before we uh, wrap it up here? We just kind of wanted to have, Give our thoughts and uh, appreciation to all the work that uh, Norm Brayfogle has done just for the not only the Tim Drake character for this podcast, but just Batman in general. That a lot of the iconic images that you see in movies and television series, I think the 90s was this. Sometimes it gets overlooked of like, oh, it's the 90s, but there was some really great Batman stuff coming out around the mid to uh, late nineties mm-hmm. and Norm Brayfogle definitely had his thumb firmly planted. And like you said, Terrence said a million times, like when people say my Batman, my Batman, I think at the end of the day, just his look for Batman and the rogues gallery that he helped create will definitely continue to live on and on for DC comics for a long time. So uh, any other final thoughts you guys have uh Terrence? Yeah, and maybe you could put an editor's note in here, Rob, and maybe mention some of them. But um, I just think it was really cool how many people responded on Facebook and Twitter, not just to our posts, but to other posts out there to to see how many um, fans uh, Norm Brayfogle had and his art had and, and all these people who were posting all these different pictures of like, oh, this was my favorite or this was this was my favorite. And, and so many people who are, you know, around our age in the 20s and 30s and 40s, like so many of them. Norm Brayfogle was their first Batman comic or one of their first Batman comics. So it's just really cool to see how many people, you know, like really are, are supporting it right now and, and are fans and how much it, it touched. And um, I'd like to just thank everyone who um, responded to to the Facebook page and the Twitter page and, and posted all those, those cool stuff. And um, it's just, I, you know, sometimes artists of the 90s, people think the only artists were some guys who worked at Marvel and then went over to Image and nothing to take <laughs> away from those guys. Those guys were definitely talented and they were, you know, pretty remarkable what they did. But there were a lot of other great artists, too, who, who worked at DC and who worked at Marvel and who, who you know, just produced just, you know, he's kind of like the the chuck dixon of comics like chuck dixon produced you know like every month here was his book it came out it was on time like you knew every month there was a norm brayfogle book coming out it wasn't you know here's norm's book and yeah maybe in three weeks he'll have another one or something like that it it, it was it was was kind of a workman you know lunch pail kind of attitude with a lot of these comic artists and 
Um, it's, it's sorry that you know his passing is what has to bring it out, but uh, it's really good to see you know a lot of these guys get their their respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you were talking about it. Uh, producer Travis on our Twitter feed says, I wish I could recall the particular. There was a certain old issue of Detective of Batman that had printed hit fan art, which we had talked about uh, from Norm as a child. I discovered this, that he had already been the quintessential Batman artist for years. I was amazed he knew what he wanted. And we had talked about his uh, submission for, you know, design the new Robin costume. And it looked like a pirate Robin costume with, you know, this <laughs> weird yellow cape on it. But... As funny as that might be, here comes a guy a few years down the line that is drawing Batman and gets to draw Tim Drake's new costume for the very first time. So that had to be a surreal moment that I drew this at one point as an entry for a contest. And here I am getting paid to draw the official look of uh, the new Robin. Uh, Any final thoughts you have, uh, Ryan? Yeah, I kind of wanted to piggyback off of uh, what Terrence was saying there at the end. I mean... Norm Brayfogle was a great artist and, and he was responsible, like we've all said, for, for kind of the Batman of my formative years. I, I mean, and unfortunately, I, like, like Terrence said, it, 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 it's, it's, it's sad that it's taken his passing to get us to kind of, I mean, we, we, to talk about it in this detail, but we've mentioned him a lot. Like he yeah. comes up all the time. And one thing I did want to mention is, you know, in the last few years of his life, he did have a stroke and, it was sad to see because you know a lot of creators that work for comics for the comic industry you know they're it's work for hire right a lot of it's not um you know there's not health care and things like that and it's and it's kind of hard i mean we idolize these heroes and and sometimes you might think oh man if you're drawing batman you're you're behind the sky. You're probably making so much money, but yeah. you know it's not true for some of these guys. Especially twenty, thirty years ago, things weren't the same. You know what I mean? So, truth is, they could probably they do it for the love because they could make more money mm-hmm. being a technical artist for journals sure. and advertising. But they exactly, love comics, exactly, and that's what they do. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a passion driven thing. I mean, the game industry is is you know which I'm part of is is a largely a lot of the same things. You'll see like. People just kill themselves just to get into the industry and kill themselves and work overtime just to ship a game. And then the game studio that they just put their blood, sweat, and tears in for two or three years just shuts down and they Tell lose tales. their job. And yeah, exactly, <laughs> Telltale is a great example of that. Right. Um, you know, I and it's something that I've been through oh, myself did, did with Telltale my first. Shut um, down? Are they? Are they yeah. gone? Yeah. Breaking news. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. <How laughs> yeah, they fired. That? that was like last week or something like oh, that, or two okay, weeks okay. ago. Right. Um, yeah, they. So it wasn't uh, that that long ago, but holy. Yeah, God, yeah. within the last two weeks. Yeah, they okay. they fired two hundred fifty people and they're Oof. they're done. So, and 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 they're not getting severance pay, and it's kind of a big. You know, it's it's sparking these questions about the industry being like needing to treat its creators better, and it's it's um you know people that that put in the time and the work and stuff and 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 that tie and that all ties into the same thing with norm bright fogel so you know he had there were like charity drives and stuff like that when he had a stroke a few years ago mm-hmm. but something i did want to bring up here at the end was that there is you know if you're into donating to charities and stuff like that there is the the hero initiative charity which is set up specifically uh to help comic creators in need 
And you know, on their website, it says that they create a financial safety net for comic creators who may need emergency medical aid, financial support for essentials of life, and an avenue back into paying work. So, and it's something that um, I think Denny O'Neill was part of like the the group of people that founded it. I might be wrong on that, but I know he's involved in it. Um, you know, when we talked to him a couple of years ago, <laughs> at this point, um, he uh. <laughs> He, he, I think he talked a little bit about that yeah. um, because he, he, he told us a lot about, um, you know, creators, you know, Denny O'Neill himself was, was hired. So because they wanted to fire the people before him because they asked for health care, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? So, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. so it's all wrapped up into that whole thing. So um, well, he made that joke. I've heard him make it before, but he made it with us when we interviewed him about uh, when he saw uh, the guy on Iron Man. Was it Jedediah? What? Not Jedediah. Obadiah Stane. Obadiah. Obadiah. Yeah. And he, he, he contacted uh, Quesada at Marvel and mm. said, you know, my wife. It's and I okay. <laughs> used to, yeah, he said, we've gotten used to the taste of cat food, but it would be nice if we could get a little money for it or something yeah <laughs> yeah so you know it, we love these heroes and this stuff but it's it's also good to remember like they're people too <laughs> and um yeah. and uh the industry should change and everything um so being a being a being a voice in that um by, by donating to things like the hero initiative i think is, is a good thing i'm i think i'm probably going to make a donation to them myself so i just wanted to bring that up because i think it's a important topic that's that's a, a really cool topic. I'm glad you brought that up. I got a sketch cover done by Barry Kitston, and that he mm. was doing all of his sketches for that. He wasn't making any money. All the of, proceeds were going to all the, the all the proceeds, and I put down uh, a blank cover sketch. And he's like, "Well, I don't normally do those for when I'm doing the charity drive." And I, he said, "If, if you're willing to pay a little bit more, I'll uh, I'll do the sketch cover." And I said, I'm not looking to flip the services. You know, I, I want to get our work by you. And I said, this is a great cause. And he, uh, he said, what are you going to donate for the cause to do the sketch? I was like, 100 bucks. He's like, great, sounds good. So I wow. eagerly gave uh, 100 bucks to have you know this wonderful sketch cover. But it was more of like I saw that sign and I thought, oh, cool. All his proceeds, like he's not making any money off of this mm-hmm. at all. So the guy behind me says, "Well, I have a blank sketch cover. Would you do that for a hundred dollars?" And he said, "Yeah, I will." So at least two other people that day when I picked up my book, he did like, that because you did the sketch cover. He's like, "We've I've raised like three hundred dollars for this cause just because of the blank sketch cover." I think he was charging like seventy five bucks, or it depends on you know if it's a bus shot or full thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, doing the sketch cover then later. Because I was there the three days, it said blank sketch covers one hundred dollars, which I thought was was kind of cool to know. Though I, I that's, donated that's that, and I, I brought the literature home and everything. So maybe mm-hmm. in, a, in a separate file, I'll put up the information for people that will want to know. It's a really great cause. Nice. Now this is going to kill me, but you had Barry Kitson, the artist extraordinaire of Asriel, Asriel number one. Who did you get <laughs> the sketch of? But, you know. That this Tim Drake guy. Tim Drake. Oh man! <laughs> and oh, I got the, gosh. the. It was the only blank cover that I had, and I had it, the sketch cover done on a Batman Superman New Fifty Two cover. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even topical. What are you doing? Yeah. The uh, uh, you, you know the Detention Comics. I wonder if that's the only Denny O'Neill solo Tim Drake story he ever wrote. I wonder if there's any other because Batman's not in it mm. at all. And Denny O'Neill didn't write a lot of That's a good question. Or, or Rob, Robin by himself. Yeah. 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 Mm. Not even a Dick Grayson, Jason Todd story. 
Yeah. So I think that is definitely going to be uh, homework that we'll kind of continue to talk about Norm Brayfogle. We're always going to talk about Norm Brayfogle, but that'll be maybe one of the next things that we cover, maybe in an episode by itself or just as an addendum to uh, another episode. But my final thoughts are just ongoing. I, I I was glad to grow up when I when I did and getting caught up in the summer of eighty nine and Batman fever and there's this wonderful artist that I just kind of between it was just a great time to have Denny O'Neill be writing stories and Norm Bray Fogle and Alan Alan Grant and Chuck Dixon. It was just the, like this perfect storm of just wonderful great Batman content that still in Tim Drake's case almost thirty years later is still just as great to read as it was the day that it came out. So a big tip to the hat to uh, Norm Brayfogle and thoughts go out to yeah, his and family and sorry friends. To, oh, sorry to interrupt you, Rob. I just no. wanted to jump in before you ended the show on that point you were saying there of like reading comics at the time you did. Because if you look at Norm Brayfogle's art, he is a great bridge from like the 60s and 70s Neil Adams Jim Aparo Batman then to the 90s and 2000s more you know like image comic style of artist of Batman so he he is that perfect bridge of the two styles kind of you know meshed together so sorry to interrupt you there but I, I wanted to agree with what you were saying no no that that, that that's a great point I hadn't even thought about it that way I was just looking at this last little bit that I found on Wikipedia it says uh, I was talking about uh, Shadow of the Bat and just some of the characters that uh, he created. Jeremiah Arkham, uh, Mr. Zaz, Amygdala. Mm-hmm. And I just picked up – got it right here. can't get a hold of it. It is Detective Comics. Come on, come out. There we go. Uh, 475, and it's the first appearance of Rene Montoya. So not only did he create some of the great Batman villains, but a Batman – side character that's she's gonna she's just have, gonna be in a she's gonna be in a major movie. live action motion picture next yeah. you know a couple years yeah and when i picked this up it was simply for like oh i'm missing this norm brayfogle issue and somebody had posted in a comic group i am first appearance you know fridays and i was like that's not the first appearance of scarface and somebody put renee montoya so her first appearance is in 475 and you know wow. a year from now she's gonna be on the silver screen for the first time that Alan Grant or Brayfogle creation is going to be up there. So that's that's going to be really cool. And if you stay after the credits, probably that movie you're going to mm-hmm. see Norm Brayfogle's name up there. So what a what a cool way to to honor him. So what movie is she going? Is she going to be in Shazam? No, no, she's going to be <laughs> Birds of Prey. <laughs> Birds of Prey. Oh, is that actually coming out? Yeah, is that actually going to be made? Okay, yeah. I, where have you? You've been in a Terrence O'Neill bunker for a couple of weeks. I guess so. I thought that was like. Spoken of and went with the Batgirl movie and all that. No, they it's dated. It's like February seventh, twenty twenty. They have cast Huntress and Black Canary. Huntress is going to be Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Okay, cool. Yeah, and I think awesome. Cassandra Cain's name is still attached to that. It's still attached, and then the rumor is that she's going to be like a thirteen-year-old girl. Okay, so we'll see how that turns out. Yeah, I mean. We know how some of that stuff goes, but if everything comes to fruition and we're in the theater, you know, in February, uh, you know, we say 2020, that's supposed yeah, to be Yeah, February 2020. 2020, and to see Renee Montoya talk on screen is going to be, you know what, if Renee Montoya is there, we were talking about it in the last episode, Harvey Bullock's got to be eating <laughs> I was about to say somewhere. so. Yeah. If they, yeah, if they don't put him in there, then that's a huge missed opportunity. <sighs> yeah. Like... For real. 
Yeah. Even even if it's just in the background, he's eating a donut. Yeah. I would probably fist bump up there. Yeah. And maybe- I need to wander on set and just, you know, <laughs> eat a donut or something and be <laughs> yeah. like, just to have, just to have him there. There yeah. you go. Well, this is where we're going to end this episode. Like we said, this is a very visual medium that we discuss, that a lot of podcasters discuss. So do yourself a favor if you've made it to the end and go, I don't know what comics these guys are talking about. Go through, (laughs) check them out, rewind the episode, and we'll talk about it. And uh, take a moment to read and look at some just wonderful uh, Norm Brayfogel art. So on the behalf of Terrence and Ryan, this is Rob signing off saying uh, RIP Norm Brayfogel. listening to robin everyone loves the drake podcast this has been brought to you by the batmanuniverse.net tim drake robin and all batman related characters are under copyright of dc comics this podcast is solely for entertainment purposes so no infringement is intended by this show the show is not a good revenue stream actually there's not a stream at all all music and sound clips are under copyright by their respected copyright holders so there should be no need to send the penguins lawyers after us for ill-gotten gains because there are none you can get a hold of the show a few different ways we are on twitter at eltd podcast you can also email in at robin eltd podcast at yahoo.com our facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves the drake and as always you can message directly over at the batmanuniverse.net so email tweet or message us we'd love to hear from you and we'll read your comments or responses on the show The show you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes and Windows Media, also over at our host, TBU. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It'll help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to thebatmanuniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care.